your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter 5. Y'all remember that old hymn, Love Lifted Me? Let me see if I can remember. Hold on. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, thinking to rise no more, but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. It was his love and grace that lifted us, amen? Man, I I can remember some things, and I can't remember who called me an hour ago, yeah. John chapter 5, verse 1, if you're there, say amen. And after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is in the Hebrew tongue called Bethesda, which means mercy. And it had five porches or colonnades. And in these porches lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever, say that with me, whosoever, Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, and he knew how long he'd been in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him, Sir, I don't have anyone. I have no man that when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. And Jesus said unto him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately, say that with me, immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, it's the Sabbath day. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, the one that made me whole said unto me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, what man is that which said unto you, take up your bed and walk? And he that was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. And afterward, Jesus finds him in the temple and said unto him, you have been made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. There's so much, so much in this passage, so many different ways you can go. Uh, This pool, uh, uh, a place of mercy where an angel of the Lord would go down and stir the water with his hand. The angel did not have power to heal people, but God sent him on an errand and gave him authority, right, and privilege to trouble the waters, which means to stir something that man could see. And whosoever first got in after the water was troubled, was healed of whatever he had. I'm amazed at the liberal commentators that tell me that this was a mineral bath. It was a gurgling mineral bath, just like some of those pools in the eastern part of the world that people have found medicinal cures in it. I've never heard of a blind man being healed by minerals. I've never heard of a deformed man growing limbs by minerals. Other liberal scholars tell us that not all the manuscripts in this, uh, not all manuscripts record this passage about a certain angel at a season. 
And I don't care if some of them recorded it or not. God sustained his word and told us that there was an angel that would go and trouble the waters. And whosoever first got in was healed of whatever he did, what he had. Historically, this was a connector between the quiet years of the Old Testament, the 400 years where God stopped speaking. But there was a place of mercy that reminded men that God's mercy was still available. God's mercy was still powerful. God's mercy was still sufficient. and It was unlimited. And it precursed by the sheep market, the sheep, the lamb of God, it precursed that if a pool of water could heal a man of anything, what could a pool of blood do? What could the washing of a person with the blood of the Son of God do? And so Jesus came on the scene. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And here the Word of God was walking into a historical rendering of the Word of God, trumping the event, teaching us that it really wasn't about the pool. It was about the God of the pool. But having said that, that's a whole different sermon. They said, what are you preaching about then? I'm glad you asked. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning. You have to have that to get this. I want to talk to you this morning about the road to wholeness. We're going to look at the people. We're going to look at the porches. We're going to look at default settings in our mindset that keeps us from that which God wants us to have. Infirmity. This man had it for 38 years. I would submit to you that he was in a rut. The only difference between a rut and a grave is the depth. Ruts happen to everybody. Like weeds in a garden, you don't have to do anything to get in them. They express themselves in different ways, for different reasons, at different times, and in their severity. Arnold Bennett said, the great advantage of being in a rut is you know where you are. But this is not Christ's way. And there are people in this room that name the name of Christ, and you have for years been stuck in some thing, some besetting sin, some mental disconnect from the Lord. John 10, 10 says, Jesus said, I've come that you would have life and that more abundantly. And that word abundant means superior, excessive, superabundant, preeminent, beyond measure and advantage. I've come that you wouldn't be like the people that hang out under a porch. I've come that your life would look to other people like you had an unfair edge. I've come that your life would be super abundant, not just enough, not not enough, but more than enough. You will experience the lows that everyone else experiences, but you'll have an advantage. You'll experience sickness, but you have a healer. You'll experience loss, but you have one that can do unto you exceedingly, abundantly above all you can ask or think. You'll have enemies, but the Lord will be on your side and you won't be afraid of what people can do to you. You have an unfair advantage because of Jesus. And Jesus, the, the power of God, standing by a pool which has been touched by the power of God, was showing how his glory transcends all of the things that they had known up to that time. There was a house of mercy, there was a pool of mercy, and there was a man of mercy. And that's who I want to talk to you about for just a few moments this morning. On the road to wholeness, if you're taking notes, watch out for the porches. 
Watch out for the porches. Look at verse 2. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool having five porches. Porches are things that are made by man, not by God. Porches are those things that allow some comfort with no promise of a cure. Because this pool had the reputation of at certain seasons people being healed of incredible infirmity, well-meaning people, not evil people, well-meaning people built these colonnades, porches if you will, not a pop-up tent, but a huge awnings, porches, and all the impotent people would lay under the porches waiting for the moving of the water. But be careful of the porches because you can get comfortable on a porch and stop looking at the pool. You'll, you'll look for relief instead of a cure. Porches are things that make it easier for us to settle in the way things are. Porches don't create the ruts. They just dig them deeper and make them last longer. Porches create an illusion of helping because they're in close proximity to where others have found healing. But the distance between the porch and the pool is the difference between life and death. Life was not found under the porches. Life was found in the pool where God's water stirred. Porches can distort your perspective. If you stay there long enough, you'll begin to think that everyone is sick. Environment is the greatest contributor to your attitude and perspective. So what would a porch look like for us today? A porch would be you recreating God in your image. Since you can't get well, you'll change God to endorse the way you live. Self-pity is a porch that we live under and we find an identity. Woundedness can be a porch. Self-medication, whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, food, whatever it is. And porches, here's what I'm trying to say, and I hope it's clear this morning. Porches help. They just don't heal. Sometimes you got to get out of what makes you feel better so you can get into what will heal your mind, body, soul, and spirit. Be careful of man-made medication for you. See, if I live addicted to your pity, then I can't find God's healing. Yes, these things happen to us. Yes, all of this. But this porch has a way of grouping me with other sick people. And it, it limits me and it confines me. And we are more. We are more than what has happened to us or what, what hasn't yet happened for us. We are more than that. Be careful of the porches. Stand up in a room and say, hi, my name's John. I'm an alcoholic. The devil is a liar. He's a liar. That, don't, don't tell me I'm always, oh, that's a porch. That's a porch that supports me and keeps me off alcohol and I can stand in the meeting, no offense, and say, here's my 10-year chip. That's wonderful. And my life has been reduced to what I don't do instead of what I do. Oh, don't, don't give me a crutch. Don't give me just somebody I can call at 2 a.m. and keep me off alcohol. That's not enough. I'm supposed to live. I'm supposed to have purpose and power and pleasure and, and fulfill the will of God in my life. I don't want to just get man's help and keep me off of something. I want God's help to get me into something. I want God's help. 
be careful of the porches. Number two, be careful of your companions. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, the Bible said. In these, in the porches, blind people, lame people, and withered people. Now, I am not saying we turn our back upon people, but listen to me. We become our environment. We become our environment. And under the porches, man's solution is just temporary. Under the porches were blind people, people who don't see correctly, lame people, people who, who don't walk correctly, and withered people are those that have been scorched, like scorched earth, shrunken spirits. There, there is, there are things God wants to do for you that you've got to disconnect from those people to receive. I can't stay in the porch and live with you perpetually if you can't see, if you can't walk, if you can't grow, because inevitably I'll be dwarfed by my environment. It's not a judgment upon you, it's a judgment upon me. I don't have the capacity to receive from God and stay under this porch. Jesus was the friend of sinners, yes, but he didn't long for their lifestyle. Oh, I hit something then, didn't I? I know Christians that deceive themselves into thinking I'm supposed to be the friend of sinners and I've had it with church people. I just like the world's people. No, you miss the world is what you miss. And if I'm hanging out with people that love Jesus, it'll either convict me or encourage me. If I'm hanging out with well people, it makes me come before God and say, you're no respecter of persons. Why can't I be well? If I see someone with joy, haven't you ever seen someone have something and you go alone with the Lord and pray and say, God, I want that. God, I want that. We won't desire what we don't see. And if all I'm doing is hanging around with sick people, I mean, see, some of y'all still aren't convinced. Let me give you one. Any of you got a close friend? I'm not going to say spouse because y'all nudge them. Any of you have a close somebody that's negative? Please don't say their name. Before. I mean negative. Negative about everything. Good morning. Is it? Just good morning. That's all. Just good morning. You hear that habitually. You don't believe me, but you'll start to be negative. You'll start acting like the one you can't stand because of what's before you. Be careful of your associations. The Bible says evil communications, which means uh, associations. Evil corrupts goodness. I can prove it to you in the physical realm. If I'm sick and you got the flu, I don't give you. Or if I'm well and you have the flu, I don't give you my well. Hey, Pastor John. <laughs> what was that? I got new pneumonia. I said, now we both got it. Thank you very much. We, around our house, we don't buy the little things of the alcohol, antibacterial stuff. We got them at Sam's with a foot pedal and a pump. It comes out. You walk into church sick, Melissa hits you with the, uh, uh, the Lysol. Because <laughs> you ain't going to catch my well. Can I go a little deeper? Some of you have never received what you want from God. Oh, no, you've never received what God wants for you because you can't see life past your little circle of disease. The little circle. 
I don't care if you're white or black, both, both cultures, those predominant cultures. In the black culture, they sing about the hood, okay? And they never seen Paris, they've never seen Rome or Italy, but their little corner of the world, that's what life's like. Listen to country music. Dear Lord. Some of it's good, some of it's clean, all right, but let me, some of it, you know, is just, does anything go right? But they sing about their existence. They sing about their existence. And when we listen to that all day, you listen about your husband cheating, your wife cheating, uh, your dog cheating, everybody cheating. You come home and your wife goes, hey, honey, you say, where you been? Where you been? And I'm not preaching a legalism to you. Listen to me. Jacob, even though it was a superstition, understood something about what you put before your eyes. Because when he started negotiating a split between Lot, he said, can I have all the speckled sheep and the striped sheep? Lot says, sure, that's no problem. And he started peeling back pieces of stick and putting nicks in them and stripes in them and speckles in it and put it in front of where they eat and drink. And you know what? I'm not saying the superstition works. I'm just telling you what the Bible said. Sheep started being born like leopards and spots and stripes and speckled. And Jacob left with almost all the stuff. Do you know what he was saying? What you put before you, you become. What you put before you. Now, if you cut a steak, does that mean your dog is going to give birth to striped puppies? No. I ask you, though, why would God put that in the Scripture? Because our environment. That's why I love coming to church. It is the only time during the week for many of you where the culture is Godward. And it gets to wash off what I had to listen to Monday through Friday in the office. Because that's not who I am and I don't fit in. Be careful of your companions. If your concept of God, of who God is and what his plans are for you, come through the people under the porches, you're in trouble. My uncle had that and he died. Why are you telling me that? My first cousin had it. He died too. I'm not your uncle or your cousin. And this porch, you may find solace in other people who don't believe. But your perception of God and my perception of God are two totally different things. And Jesus came to the pool to show his glory. Do you believe the world's opinion of God or do you believe his written word about himself? I am the Lord that healeth you. Healeth you. Not maybe, not might, not hope so. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of benefits. He forgives all my iniquities. He heals all my diseases. It may be a long road, but we're not like the world that says, I have this. I'll always have this. We lift up our eyes into the hills from which cometh our help. Our help comes from the Lord that made heaven and earth. Be careful of your companions. And let me, let me hit this real quickly. Because even when you come out, if you've stayed a while with them, all right, when the Israelites left Egypt, it was easier to get out of Egypt than it was to get Egypt out of them. They just marched out of Egypt under the power of God, seas opened and everything. But the first downtime they get, they done made a golden calf out of earrings and they're dancing naked around it. Look in your Bible. Why would they do that? Because in Egypt, they worshiped calves and their shrines had temple prostitutes. And here's what I'm telling you. You stay in that environment long enough, 
And you'll realize how hard it is to get what you watched and what you heard and what you believed out of you when you come out. That's why we're supposed to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Because you can be forgiven and still have a lot of Egypt inside of you. I ain't living in the porches. No, I, I know what the porches do. They lull you out of desperation. Porches block the sun and make it bearable for you to live like you live. And we get friends that are like that, high school friends. And you got a picture of you in front of your old Trans Am with your buddy holding your little beer, your shirt unbuttoned down to your navel, <laughs> your little puka beads. <laughs> and then you got a picture on Facebook now, you're 52 years old and all the hair on your chest is gray. <laughs> Look like the same thing. Don't get mad at me, I'm just preaching truth. Do you know why? Watch, because this is my boy. We've been through stuff together, and I love him, and he loves me, and he's been a good friend. I'm not disputing that, but do you not draw the correlation between the gravitational pull that was in that association back then, and you still haven't broke it 40 years later? 40 years later, I had to say goodbye to some people to get well. Glory to God. I had to wave goodbye. Lost all my friends to get well because they were satisfied under this porch. Last year, I went to two of them's funeral. My age, my pledge class fraternity brothers who died of rotten livers from alcohol poisoning. Don't tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. Be careful of your environment because you'll become it. Be careful. People who live under the porch look different from those that don't live there. People under the porches are anemic, look ghostly, no sunshine on their face. I think I'd rather have a little sunburn and be doing something than just live under a porch doing nothing to get better. I better get off that point. I got a couple more to give you. Number three, on the road. And by the way, this is not a sermon. It's just a counseling session. Like you walked in, I'm just telling you some stuff, and you go home, and you go, wow, just chew on it. It's like ribs. Eat the meat and throw away the bones. Whatever's good for you is good for you. If you bite down and break a tooth, throw it out. That might not be for you. Number three, on the road to wholeness, guard your mind. Guard your mind. Don't give in to self-pity and exaggeration thinking you're the only one and no one else has it like you. We all have challenges in different ways, at different times, in different degrees. But your temptation, your difficulty, your suffering, your loss, your limitation is common to man. But God will, with every temptation, provide a way of escape. There is an out. You ought to write that down in your notes. There is an out. God always provides an out. He doesn't exempt but he gives us outs. Guard your mind. Don't think that you are nameless, and that God has lost track of you. In verse five, it says a certain man. His name wasn't mentioned. You ever feel like God doesn't know who you are? And if, if you're not careful, you'll get tricked and you'll say, God didn't even know who I was, who I am. And then in verse five, it also says, but the Lord knew him and knew how long he'd been in that case. God knows your difficulty. God knows your situation. God knows the variables, how you got into it, how long you've been in it, and how he's going to bring you out. God knows those things. 
Don't be intimidated by how powerless you are. Impotent meant without power, without strength, sick, feeble, diseased, without power or capacity. Don't be intimidated by how powerless you are. The well don't need a physician. It's the sick. And if you are helpless this morning, you are the prime candidate for the miracle working power of God because he's drawn to those that need him. He's drawn to those that need him. Don't be intimidated by how powerless you are, how long you've been in this way. 38 years. 38 years. There are friends of mine that have, in this church that have been struggling for several years with something that they just can't break out of. And it's not a lack of faith because sometimes there's long journeys into what God has for you. But time does a number on you. If you long for a baby and you go into your 30s and then you go into your 40s and you go, well, I don't believe today like I believed earlier. 38 years. Sometimes we give the ruts more credit than we give the God who created the earth. I've got a boy that calls me his dad that's 32 years old. I got little girls that call me dad that are two. And I went childless for years. When I heard the Lord speak over me, and I'm going to get to that in a moment in this message. Kelly and I, you've heard me say this before, but we got visitors today that have never heard it. We created a nursery in our house and bought pictures and hung them up with no baby. Why? Because I saw more clearly what God could do than what I didn't have. That don't make me any more special. We're just alike. Elijah was a man just like you, just like you with limitations, and he prayed that it would not rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. Then he prayed again for it to rain, and it rained. How could he pray such a specific prayer? Because he had God's promise on it. God's word said if a nation walked away from him and turned their back upon him, that he would send drought. And God said, go stand before the king and tell him it's not going to rain. So all he did was what God told him to do, and there was power in that moment. Be careful of your environment, and be careful to guard your mind. Don't get hung up on how long Start seeing how big God is. Oh, he loves to put us in desperate situations. What? Why would God do that? To show his glory. See, we think temporal. God thinks eternal. May I give you an illustration of what I'm talking about? Because some of you, I lost you when I said God will put you in a desperate situation. Not my God. You know you need some night classes. Wait and see. Jesus, who sinned? This, this man would be born blind. Was it him or his mother? Do you remember the story? Now, how could it have been him? He ain't even been born yet. Did he sin before he was born? <laughs> Just think about it. Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? He said, neither one. It wasn't that they were without sin. He said, that's not why he was born blind. I scheduled his infirmity to show my glory. It's in the book. And so when we come into these things, we're not supposed to fall out and can't believe God let it happen, nor, nor, and here's the emphasis of the day, nor do we recline under porches that keep us there. Guard your mind. 
Yeah, God might lead me into a wilderness, but a wilderness is not my residence. He leads me in. He takes me out. He takes me low. He lifts me up. My steps are, oh, suggested, ordered of the Lord. Ordered. So my comfort comes not in how easy the steps are, but that the same set of steps that go up or that go down, what do they do? They go up. And God's great. That was my little workout for the day. I'm done. <laughs> Plug it into my iPad. Burn me some calories. Be careful to guard your mind. And don't be intimidated by how long it's been this way and how many people live this way. Listen, there was a great multitude in the porch. What do you do, with most, what do, you do when most of the people in your life are a certain way? My mama was a worrier. My grandmother was a worrier. So, A plus B equals C. I'm going to be one. Something happens to us when everyone we see is weak. When everyone we see is powerless. And here's the big one. When everyone we see makes excuses, we think, well, who am I? I'm no better than them. That part's right, but put a comma, not a period. But you have the power, you have access to the power and the person and the promises of Jesus Christ. And you know how you break that worrying generational curse? You stop worrying. So well, what do you mean stop worrying? I can't stop. Oh, yes, you do. It's like, it's a fine line. And can I teach you this morning just a little bit? It's a fine line. It's like someone telling you, stop itching. How you stop itching? You can't stop itching. But you can treat it. You ever had poison ivy or poison oak or sumac or something? Okay. Calamine lotion is not the perfect cure. But did you notice a difference when you put that on than when you were just scratching with a hairbrush? Do you remember? You ever had anybody scratch you with a hairbrush and draw blood on the back? Oh, I have. Deeper. Baby, you're bleeding. Deeper. Pour the alcohol on it. <laughs> and what we do is we treat our worrying with the word of God. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is, for he'll be like a tree planted. Winds are blowing, planted. Let me tell you what my grandmother, bless her, bless her soul, Ruby, my grandmother was a pistol. And here's how she won the argument. If you were ever arguing with my papa or with my mama or if grandkids argued with her, she would just repeat the last thing she said louder. She told me one day, True story. It's not in my notes, but you get a ruby story. My grandmother was five foot square in every direction. Well, about four and a half foot square. She's about 250 on the hoof, 250, about four and a half foot tall. And you try to hug her and she goes, touch your fingers, baby. I can't read. I know you're just trying to make me feel bad. Touch your fingers. So I went to see her one day. And every time I went to see her, she would say something like, uh, oh, Carl, John's here. I ain't seen you in a month of Sundays. Nanny, I saw you two weeks ago. Mm -mm, no, I ain't seen you since Christmas. So that's the kind of mentality, personality. So she's in her little recliner with her legs crossed, and I knew she was having back trouble. And I said, Nanny, how's your back? I don't have a bone. <laughs> what? I, doctor said I ain't got a spine. There's no bone. Got her legs crossed like this. 
I said, what do you mean you ain't got a bone? X-ray said there's no bone. There's no bones in there. It's gone. It's powder. It's done ground down to powder. So she stands up by the chair, walks around, fixes coffee, comes back, crosses her legs. And I said, Nanny, you, you got to have a spine, baby. You, it can't hold all that business together. If you, ain't, you ain't got a spine. I mean, Nanny go to tie her shoes and just pass out. Just fall out. I said, Nanny, you, you have to have, the doctor said powder. And then I said, but Nanny, if you, powder! That, that's how she won the arguments. Whatever she said, you know, that, how do you, you're just going to scream with her? So the loudest powder got it. Well, so I learned something about me though. And I learned something about the devil. If you let him and you let your old nature, your mind talk louder to you than your spirit talks to it, you'll punk out. You ain't never going to have a family. I might be 52, but I bless the Lord. I bet I will have one. And you, you're not ever getting out. Getting out. That's what you do. The spirit of the Lord is upon us. Coming out. Righteous people, watch me. I'll fall seven times and get back up again. Talk to yourself. Speak to yourself. Speak to your mountain and say, I don't know who you think you are in front of me, but I'm tired of you mocking the God in me. And you speak for it to move and get out of the way. Guard your mind. Be careful of the people who believe that life doesn't get any better than what you can find under a porch. I'm glad that Mike... He didn't just deliver us. He delivered us. How many years now? 20. Mike come into our church, the evangel assembly of God, just high. But it's more than that. See, people chuckle when they hear that. His whole life was consumed with that. He heard the gospel, gave his life to Christ, and then he was given opportunities not just to be forgiven, but to be whole. And you just don't, Mike, you just don't take drugs for 15 or 20 years and just walk out. Oh, you need about 20 years of therapy. And let's get under this porch. Mike was one of those guys. Listen, he'd come in and he'd confess his faults, but he was like, I, I don't know all about this Jesus here. I don't know all of this, but I know this. If I live under that porch, I'm going to stay like that. And I'm coming out. Out. Be careful of the people who tell you that life doesn't get any better than what you can find under a porch. Just get a little relief, baby. Number four, on the road to wholeness, answer the question. Verse six, Jesus said, will you be made whole? Sounds like a silly question, but it's not. Many are not willing to be whole because of the responsibility that wholeness brings. See, when I first went out with my back surgery, and Kelly, I mean, Kelly, she's like a machine. I don't know how she keeps up with the three kids and does what she does, but she was waiting on me and serving me and bringing me sandwich, and you need some more chips? Yeah, I need some more chips. Yeah, yeah. You comfortable, baby? Well, I'm a little hot. You can turn the air on. Okay. Could you bring Chuck inside? And I'm thinking to myself, I wonder how long I can milk this thing. I wonder how long. 
But Kelly's sharp. Listen, she's a graduate of college. There's a world of difference between her and me. She's summa cum laude. I'm thank you, laude. Just glad to <laughs> get out of here. She's watching me. She knows I'm getting a little better. And it's, can you imagine if someone asked me, do you want to be whole? Well, I'm not sure if I'm whole yet because if I'm whole, and I'm giving you just a simple illustration, then I go back to cutting the grass and I go back to dressing the kids and helping bathe the kids and I help cleaning up and folding clothes and putting clothes away. John, do you want to be made whole? Uh, uh, let me pray about it. Did you know there are people in this room standing, clapping, singing, I love you, Jesus, and still don't want to be made whole because you're addicted to pain. You're addicted to pain. You're addicted to sympathy, and you're afraid of the responsibility that will come upon you when you are whole. Whole people help broken people. Send the whole. It's in our mission statement. Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? Some are not willing to be whole because they've forgotten how to live so. You know, I've met people that have spent extensive time in penitentiaries. You can, you can identify with this. You can identify with this. They get out and they will actually go to officials, government officials, policemen, and say, is there a way I can go back in? I don't want to commit a crime but I can go back in. They want to go back in or they'll commit a very small thing to go back in because they say, I've forgotten how to live free. Many people don't want to be whole because they've forgotten how to be so. And it scares them. Because when you're whole, you don't have excuses. And when you're whole, you have responsibilities. And some people are not whole because they believe their situation is even beyond the help of God. Notice this. Jesus didn't ask him, do you believe I can heal you? Jesus did not ask him, do you believe I can heal you? He asked him, do you want to be made whole? He did not ask him, can I heal you? He said, do you will it? Do you want it? Will you be committed to it? Will you do what it takes to receive it and preserve it? So I'm asking you this question. If I'm preaching the word of God, listen, you can discount me. I'm nothing but a messenger, a voice. I'm just a voice. But if I'm preaching the word of God and faith cometh by hearing, what are you going to do with this statement? Jesus speaking to you, do you want to be made whole? Whole. He didn't just heal him of his infirmity. He healed the things he didn't even ask for. Whole. And this week, this last week, I came face to face with my own weaknesses again and Anybody else? Your, your infirmities, your old patterns. I felt the Lord just speaking to me. It's, John, this is about your will. See, if you don't make excuses for something, you can come out of anything. They'll talk about what we did and how we failed. But how, what we did and how we failed was covered under the blood of Jesus when we repented from our heart. We repented and called it what it is. And we come back out. All I got to do is answer one question. John, do you want to walk with me in wholeness? Yes. And you just step out. Instantaneous. You don't pay for your sins afterwards. There may be repercussions, but you are forgiven. You're forgiven. Do you want to be made whole is what's being spoken in this room today. Number five, and we're, we're almost done here. Stop looking to other people for what you need. Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? And he said in verse 7, 
Sir, I don't have anyone. I don't have a man to help me get into the pool. I don't have the opportunity that someone else had. I don't have the benefit of people standing with me. Stop looking to people for what you need. People, God uses people to build us up. God uses people to heal us. God used Kelly McQuarrie to heal a part of my life. Yes, he uses people. He has used my baby girls and my little boy to create in me things I didn't know were possible. He uses them, but we don't look to them. And that sounds like semantics, but it's not. My wife and my babies are an overflow of God's intention for my life. They're never the source Jesus said, you want to be made whole? I I don't have anyone to help me. Here's what you say. I don't have a husband. I don't have a wife. I don't have a best friend anymore. I I don't have uh, someone to come alongside of me. You don't need anyone, need anyone to fulfill God's plan in your life. But God will fulfill his plan in your life with people. Do you hear me? Stop looking to people. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. Promotion comes from the Lord. Jeremiah 17, 5 said, this is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. There is a difference between benefiting from other people and looking to them. This statement equates what they need with what man can give. If man, woman, a person, What a person can provide, what a person can do, can solve your problem, then the problem you think you have is not the problem you have. I can prove it. All we want is babies. All we want is babies. Well, what if the babies never come or what if our babies die? You see? Because we have a source who gave us our desire to start with, No matter what life deals to you, you don't look to them. My little girls came in right before church this morning, and I was overcome. And I just began to tell the Lord, I said, you just have been so good to me. You just have been so good to me. When we prayed, we didn't look to people. We looked to the Lord. Now, the Lord may steer you to people. That's fine. Fine. But when you hit crisis... Do you call someone first or do you call God first? When you're looking into your planning, do you ask the opinions of men or do you ask the opinions of the Lord? Stop looking to people for for what the Lord, only the Lord can give you. Number six. Lisa, would you come and just play this morning for me? Stop limiting God and how he can heal you. In verse seven, look in your Bible. I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. This is what the Lord was coming to abolish. He kept the pool open, I told you, during that 400-year period to keep a reminder of God's mercy. But even though one person was healed that way, that doesn't mean that's how God heals everybody. Well, if God gives me a spouse, I'll be healed. If God gives me this, I can heal. He'll heal you in ways you did not, not only realize, but that you think were second best. And I know you're not, I know this is hard to catch the import of this. But I thought that the biological children were the only way to heal my wife's heart. Biological. Okay, hear me out. 
Some would say if you adopted, well, that's, you know, second. You know, you settle and you learn to love them. And I can prove that the Lord's way was adoption. Because I had the Lord meet with me in my quiet time one day about my little girls and said, so, how you like them? <laughs> the greatest thing I've ever got in my life. Kelly says it was the greatest thing I never knew I wanted. I said, okay, will you swap them? How about I put a boy in Kelly's womb for the girls? This is in my heart. I didn't hear an audible voice in my heart. In the same way, if you had a 2014 truck and you had a 2011 truck or 12, would you swap? Yeah, you swap the greater for the less. Immediately, I answered the Lord. I said, no. Why? Because what you planned for me was greater than what I thought I wanted. You see? What, how you planned on doing it. You gave other people children from their womb. You let us rescue little girls who are the apple of our eye. And if God offered me three or four for them, no, no way. Because as for the Lord, His way is perfect. So don't limit God in how He can heal you. He may not heal you like He healed me and Kelly. Sometimes He heals you by adding, sometimes by subtracting, sometimes by abundance, sometimes by lack. Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool. Jesus said, get your eyes off the pool. The one that stirs the pool is standing in front of you. You got to let go of yesterday. I had too much notes, by the way. Guys, if y'all would begin serving them, I'm going to run out of time if I don't. But we're, just hold the communion and let me preach too. So don't watch them. Listen to this. Okay. You got to let go of yesterday. Here's what the man said. While I'm coming into the pool, another steps down before me. I've tried, but I can't. Other people have, but I can't. Listen, listen to me. Stay focused. If you can more clearly articulate what happened to you yesterday than what God is doing today, you've been deceived. Hey, Come on, I don't have anybody. And other people have had, he was, he's clear about the past, but fuzzy about the present. He's standing in front of the sheep, the lamb. Look, that wound, that injustice, that betrayal, that abandonment, that rejection, that tragedy, the wound that won't close, the feeling you can't shake, the memories you can't forget. You can't recover seemingly from what was taken from you or what was lost and what was buried and what you never had. You got to let go of that. How do you let go of it? It's not that easy. Oh, there's still residue on you. But every step I take away from that, I get closer to what's waiting for me here. This one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind, I press on toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let it go. We're not the first one that's ever been betrayed. We're not the first one that's ever been abandoned or abused or neglected. Lord, I just want to talk to you about yesterday. He said, stop, stop. Listen, here's where we close. On the road to wholeness, you just simply need to believe and receive what God speaks to you. 
Now, he spoke to them in the person of Jesus. He speaks to us through his word. Listen. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Rise means wake up, collect your faculties, arouse yourself from sickness, disease, and death. Take up your bed. That Greek word means like to pull up anchor and sail away. When I saw that, I about jumped out of my chair. Pull up anchor, watch. When you pull up anchor, God will go and blow you from one thing all the way over here. Sail away. From what? From all that I used to be. Sail away from those damnable porches. I love one preacher said, before Jesus, his back was on his bed. And after Jesus, his bed was on his back. I'm like, yeah. Rise, take up your bed and walk, which means tread all around, walk out of, walk away from, in the power of what I've spoken over you today. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked. Did you see it? Some of you didn't, some of you didn't. Look in your Bible. Immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked. He simply did what God said he could do. Rise, take up your bed and walk. So the lame man stood, picked up his bed and walked. You tell me you're waiting on God and God may be waiting on you. Rise, take up your bed and walk. And finally this. What he couldn't do yesterday, he was now able to do today because he acted on God's word. What if, what if God is speaking over you today? Get up, stop reclining under the porch and walk. What would you do? What would happen if you walked? I don't know. I know this. He won't lead you back to that porch. While the ushers are serving the last couple rows, I want you to do a mental exercise with me. What about the people that were healed in the pool? What about the blind man that was healed? And he come walking by the porch where everybody was laid up. Hey, how y'all today? They're laying there. Good. Good to see you. Hey, good to see you. Come see me. Come, come, come. The lame man whose legs were dwarfed and he comes walking up, giving them something to eat or bread or water. What do you do with the stories of people that have made it out of what you're still in? What do you do with them? They are given to you not to discourage you, but to encourage you. He that sets the sun free is free indeed. Would you do this with me this morning? Those of you that have already received, would you just bow? And we're going to take together in just a moment. Just bow your heads. And begin to talk to the Lord about what you've heard today and that cup in your hand.
If you've not been served, if you would just slip your hand up and hold it, our ushers will serve you. Would you stand with me this morning? What I'm about to share with you, if your spirit receives this or if you've already received it, it changes everything. At a certain season, an angel would come down and stir the water. Whenever it was troubled, whosoever first got in was healed of whatever was wrong with them. The Bible says that if God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not now with him freely give us everything else? This pool that we wash in is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. It is perpetually troubled. I can prove it to you having therefore boldness to enter into like the pool, the Holy of Holies, by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way which he consecrated through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with true assurance, full of faith, whatever it is, the blood of Jesus. My grandmother was not only a card, she taught me some things. She'd plead the blood. Do you remember that? I plead the blood. I plead the blood over my babies. What was she saying? Whatever's wrong, this makes it right. And we are partakers, not of a pool filled with water, but we have access to a pool filled with blood. And the same night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said to his disciples, this is my body that's broken for you. As often as you do this, remember me. Lord, we remember you today. We remember you as the Lamb of God standing behind, beside a pool, a sheep market, becoming the Lamb forever to be slain for us, broken that we might be whole. And we take together. Let's do that today. This cup that you hold shouts to you. No excuses. No limitations. Wholeness. The road to wholeness is a road. And it arrives at wholeness because of what my son has done for you. The same night that Jesus was betrayed, he took wine and poured it and gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my blood blood of the new covenant that's shed for you. As often as you do this, think about me. So Lord, we lift the cup, the life-giving cup that heals all our diseases, that makes us whole and puts us in our right mind. Demons tremble at the mention of your name. 
For ages and ages they look upon your sacrifice and it's still not all the way clear of all that was done and the power of your shed blood. But we know this today, Lord. This blood was shed for us. And we take it, we digest it, we bathe in it, Lord. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. Let's take together. All right, before you go home, last mental picture, I promise. The man gets in the pool. They roll the cripple in. His joints are all tied up. They roll him in the pool. He gets up and leaves, healed to the one that believes and, re and receives. He hears the phrase, get up. What, how broad that is. Get up. Take up what you are reclining on, leaning on. Get up and walk out of it. You don't need no John. You don't need no pastor. You don't need no bishop. You don't need a pope. You don't need any beads. You don't need any holy water. You have the name of Jesus and the invitation of Jesus to get up and walk out. So in the name of Jesus, behold for the glory of the Lord. Amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.